All right. Today is the final installment of our Advent series for the season, When Heaven Came Down. When Heaven Came Down. And if you've been with us, you've been realizing so far we've been seeing that in a number of ways, in a number of different senses in which we can say heaven came down. Just for an example, as I said, this is, this is the fourth in this series. And by the way, if you missed that, uh, you want to pick up any of this, you can do it uh, uh, via YouTube. We have live stream, of course, uh, going on today, and then that'll turn into YouTube, which you can find and look, any of the, of the uh, series in this series or, or others, uh, if you wish to uh, benefit from that. Uh, the journey uh, that we've been taking, remember, began in the garden. It began in paradise, and our sin lost that. And yet one day is the promise that Jesus is coming back, and paradise will be restored and regained. And that's what we're focusing on today. We've looked at heaven when it was here, and then we saw heaven came back when Christ came to this earth 2,000 years ago. And last week, we considered what we could call when heaven came to us, his presence, his felt presence, being our Emmanuel, the sense of God with us, that we're not alone, being indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Those are the ways in which he came back to us and continues to come to us. But today... We're going to be looking at his ultimate and final coming to us as our Emmanuel. Our scripture readings this morning come from Revelation chapter 21, 1 through 5, and Revelation uh, chapter 22, verses 1 through 6. And Once again, I would invite you to follow along with me on your device or from the screen or from your Bible. But in all cases, remember, this is not the words of men These are the words of God. Hear them carefully. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice From the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore. For the former things... Have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright. As crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Through the middle of the street of the city also, on either side of the river, the tree of life 
with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. And they will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God always remains. Let us ask his blessing upon it. Oh, Father, what an exciting thing to consider. What you have in store for those who love you and those who are yours that you have called out of darkness into your marvelous light. Father, we pray today that we, your people, who call upon your name as our Emmanuel, that you will once again thrill our hearts with what you are promising to do. Lord, that you are coming again. Father, may our hearts burn within us as we once again hear these things today of what you have promised in being our Emmanuel. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Christmas is almost here. It's almost here. And as much as anything, hopefully you figured out by now, what is Advent? It just means the coming. But what is it? Advent is the longing for the coming of the Lord. Coming of the Lord physically in his first coming and coming of the Lord in his second coming, but also his being Emmanuel with us. And once again today, we see how another sense he is Emmanuel. But this is talking about what is yet to come. You see, Advent, as I said, is the season of longing for the coming of the Lord. And you may be thinking, well, he's already come 2,000 years ago. Yes, he has. But that was his first coming. Now the story, the larger story, unfolds to the promise of the coming of the Lord from heaven to earth. Not the first time, but the second time. And that yields the greatest Christmas that all will see. There will be no hidden part of that. There will be no just one place on the planet that Jesus could have been seen at one point in time in his first coming. This will be known to all. The greatest Christmas, the final coming of the Lord Jesus at the end of all ages when he comes to stay. That's the title of this morning's message. When heaven, the essence of heaven, our Lord Jesus comes to stay with us forever. Now, what's our outline? Pretty simple. When heaven comes to stay, first of all, 
Where will it be? Where will it be? Where will heaven be when he comes to stay? When heaven comes to stay, what will it be like? It's the second question we're going to answer today. And the third is, who will be there when he comes to stay? Who will be there with him? All right, let's, let's look at those. Where will it be is the first question. John 14, 3, when Jesus was still upon the earth getting ready to go back to the Father to be our Savior and to take on our sins and to be able to go back and provide justification for us before the Father, Jesus was telling his disciples in John 14, 3 this. He said, I will, I'm about to leave. He was telling them I'm about to leave, but he said, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Now, did you pick up on that? Where is a word of location. He's saying, I'm coming back to a place, and you're going to be with me, and I'm going to be there with you. He's using spatial terms to describe the future heaven. The ultimate heaven. He's using spatial terms. It's, we have these anemic, wimpy notions of heaven as being somehow lighter than and ethereal and mystical instead of solid. He is talking about a place that can be touched and where things can be tasted and where things can be seen and beheld. A real place. You see, the word here refers to a location that Jesus said in that John 14 passage. Now, we're tempted to go along thinking... We're tempted to think of going to heaven as leaving this place. Here we are now on this earth, planet earth, as we know it now. We're tempted to think of going to heaven as leaving this place to go to this angelic, wispy realm to live with God in his place. My friends, that's not true. Now, not for the, of the ultimate you see, what that is, is the intermediate. When we die, we lose our bodies. But our souls, remember, we've already looked at that in the series, do go immediately to the Lord. But they are not yet finished. God is not yet finished until the second coming when body and, and soul are joined again. So that in-between period, that's what we call the intermediate state. Between the time that we die... And between the time that Christ comes back. But when Christ comes back, things are going to be put back together. Humpty Dumpty's going to be put back together again. It's the intermediate state that we are disembodied spirits. Hebrews calls us, the spirits, refers to us as spirits of just men and women made perfect. We're spiritually perfect. We're in heaven with God, but that's not the final destination. That's the key to not miss. 
The Bible says that in the ultimate heaven, God will come down from his place to live with us in our place. Isn't that cool? You see, a lot of Christians don't understand that. Where's that place? It's called the new heavens and the new earth. And did you hear in this text this morning, God is preparing such for his children. Emmanuel, one of the names of Christ. We've been using it so much in this Advent season. Notice that it does not mean us with God. Did you notice that? It's God with us, not us with God. We're not going up permanently to be there. We are going to be here, and he's coming to us when he renews all things in the new heaven and earth. Listen, uh, first of all, First Peter, listen to this. First Peter chapter 2, verses 3, uh, verse 3, 13. And also Revelation 21.2. But according to his promise, we are waiting, even if we die and go to be with the Lord, he promises we are still waiting for something. We are waiting for the new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. One day, this messed up, broken world is going to get fixed. And it's going to be paradise again. On steroids, beyond anything the first paradise ever was. Also, Revelation 21 says, I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. He's coming for us. He's coming from heaven down to us. And thus, the series title, Heaven Came Down. It will come down, brothers and sisters. It's guaranteed. It's assured by the resurrection of Christ. This is just amazing stuff. It it bends the mind. We can't comprehend how, but to realize all that the Lord has prepared for those who love him. You see, you've heard the saying, this world is not our home, right? We've all said that. You know, man, I am really tired of this place. So much wrong. Everything's so messed up. I am really glad. And this world isn't my home. I'm looking forward to that. And that's true. But it's only a half truth. It's only a half truth. Why? (laughs) This world is not our home because it's cursed now. But the world that is coming, that Jesus is bringing back when he comes to us to stay, is going to be an incredibly beautiful. The curse will be, have been removed. When people say, this world, the earth, is not my home, they're right in a sense now, but they're not looking forward enough in faith. To what is promised. You see, we should also say this world, the earth as it once was before sin and the curse, was our home. But we should add 
we should add. This world, the earth as it one day will be, delivered from sin and the curse, that will be our final and ultimate home. You've got to recognize and dance with both of those realities. Not yet, then fully realized. You see, salvation, folks, what I'm trying to get across in part, is salvation is not rescue from the material world, as if somehow that's bad. There were ancient heretics that believed the world was bad. The Greeks believed it was a bad place. And we want to get away from it as quickly and just keep the spirit. No, that's not Christian. It's pagan. Salvation does not rescue us from the material world, but from sin and its effects, the curse. That's what God came to rescue That's what God is going to fix about this world, but it's still going to be a material world with so much more. At long last, one day the Lord's prayer will be truly fulfilled. What do we pray? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, here, as it is in heaven. It's right. It's fixed up there. It needs to get fixed down here. And we're praying for that. Lord, make me an instrument of that until you come. And then you're going to finish the job, Jesus. And it's going to be a beautiful world beyond anything. The most beautiful part of this world in the original creation. It's going to be so much greater than that. Now, that's where it will be in the new heavens and the new earth that come down. And if you want to think of it maybe this way, it's not so much a separate place, but the two become merged into one. But it will be not just ethereal, it will be material, better than the beauty of the first glorious creation of God by far. Now, what will it be like? Perhaps the best way to answer that question is asking this. What won't be there and what will be there? Okay? Let's, let's look at it that way. To try to describe what it's like or what it may be like, and all we can do is kind of, you know, work around the edges on this because this stuff just boggles our mind. We can't, we can't yet completely understand how this is going to be. But We talk about what won't be there and what will. As far as the won't be, what's not going to be there when heaven comes to stay, to begin with, there's going to be no more night. Listen to 22, Revelation 22, 4 and 5. And night will be no more, and there will be no need of light or lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Beauties, securities beyond anything that we could ever imagine. Safety. All because there's no longer any curse. The curse has been removed. Christ has come and become a curse for us so that we might live as the blessed sons of God and daughters of God. 
There is no more curse, Revelation 22, 3, where it says, it talks about there being no more sea. At Revelation 21, 1. And then I saw in the new heaven and new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were had passed away and the sea was no more. The sea was a metaphor for the chaos and for the curse. It was a scary place. You didn't want to be in the sea. All of those scary places are gone. They have been removed in the new heavens and there. And there's no more sea, no more chaos, no more things that are cursed. But there's also what's missing even gets better. Uh, listen to Revelation 21.4. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed. All of that's what won't be there. With this verse in mind, um, uh, a, a, a teacher wrote a book on this, and we've used some of his materials. I've used them, um, uh, and we did a series on this in a Sunday school class, Randy Alcorn. Um, listen to what he says won't be there. This is his list, and it's not, it's not exhaustive. This just shows you a few things. Here's the things that won't be there. No death. No suffering, no funeral homes, no abortion clinics, no psychiatric wards, no rape, no missing children or drug rehabilitation centers, no bigotry, no muggings, no killings, no worry, no desperation, no economic downturns, no wars, no unemployment, no anguish, no failure, a miscommunication. Close friendships, but no clicks. Laughter, but no but put down, but no put downs. Intimacy, but no temptation to immorality. Isn't that going to be cool? We, we, we can love purely, and there won't be anything that corrupts that and makes it twisted and perverted. No temptation to immorality, no hidden agendas, no backroom deals, no betrayals. Imagine the mealtimes full of stories and laughter and joy without fear of insensitivity and inappropriate behavior, anger and gossip and lust and jealousy, hurt feelings and anything else that eclipses joy. Aren't you glad that won't be there? Man, how sweet it will be. How great it will be. You see, there's no temple there. There's no temple there, or there's not even a church there. You know why? Because God's presence fills it all, it fills the entire city, the city of God. And it makes everything in it a sanctuary. You don't have to come to church. It is all around you. It is in everything that you do. When he comes again to stay. Now, what will be there? 
The positive side, what will be there? What will it be like? Well, well Scripture gives us many, many images that are full of uh, uh, implications and images of, of heaven. But we don't have them all. We just have snapshots and glimmers and things. But put these things together, and it's kind of like a jigsaw that forms a beautiful puzzle. There's the image of the garden, alluding back to the original Garden of Eden before our parents fell and when everything was right. That imagery is going to be carried forward. It's just going to be a better garden, a more beautiful garden than that. The city, Bunyan, remember, referred to it in his immortal pilgrim's progress as the celestial city, the celestial city of God, this city coming down from heaven. It's also referred to as the country. Lewis, C.S. Lewis refers to it in the far country, referring to the heavens yet to come. You see, if the present earth and the things in it, if the present earth, earth and the things in it are real, then we should expect better versions of that in the new heavens and the new earth. Not for those things to go away, they're just going to be better versions of that. To, to, to think that somehow the things that God made and created are going to be tossed. That's why I still believe that my dog's going to heaven. I don't know about yours. But, my, but mine is. Evie's, Evie's going to absolutely be there. <laughs> And you know what? That's one of the reasons why I, I kind of think maybe it, it is, maybe not. I don't. We don't have enough information to know for sure, of course. But wouldn't it be like God to do something like that? He wastes nothing. He takes the things that have been broken and he remakes them. And he makes all things new. Think about a car. You got a car, okay? Your car's getting old. Time to be thinking about getting a new car. Okay, but when you go get a new car, you go, go down to tr- trade in your old one and, 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 and get a new car. They don't come out and give you a moped. Or they don't come out and give you a skateboard. They give you a car, just a new car, a better version of the old. God is not going to jettison the things that he has made and worked with, including our bodies, and say, well, that's trash. Out it goes. No, he's going to make it better. It's going to be better with properties, just like we begin to get a glimpse of in Jesus, what he was able to do when he walked on this earth again for 40 days. Limits, but he was still flesh and blood. But limits were now broken, passed through walls. Amazing things showing the prototype of what is to come. It's not old throw away. It's old, better version. New, but not unlike the old. Just so much better. The new Jerusalem, the centerpiece of the new heavens and the new earth, 
will be made of gorgeous materials. If we were to read, I'm not going to read it now for time, uh, Revelation 21, 18 through 21, it's all the stones, all the beautiful stones in in the, the new heavens and the new earth that are being referred to there. But we should see, that's a picture we've seen before. Where? In Eden. In Eden, Genesis chapter 2, these are images of a pre-fall Eden. Listen. And the gold of that land is good, and bedellum and onyx stone are there. These are the same things, things like that, in the new heavens and the new earth. So again, there is correlation. These things are all part of God's master plan. These other Old Testament stones now beautify the foundation of the new Jerusalem and promise and assure us that heaven, heaven, paradise has been restored. When Jesus comes to stay, heaven, paradise is at last and finally and utterly restored. Now, here's the final part that's very important. Who will be there? Who's going to be in this beautiful new heavens and new earth wherein dwells righteousness? You see, at the culmination of history, we're told that the dwelling of God will be with men. Again, God's not staying up there. and We're staying down here. He'll be right here with us in a sense that we can't experience now. And he will live with us. He will be present with us. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Revelation 21.3. My friends, that by definition is heaven. It doesn't matter whatever the other glories and wonders and great things are. It doesn't matter. If he's there, that's all that matters. Right? If he's there, if Jesus is there. You've heard me make that quote before, prostrate before thy throne to lie and gaze and gaze upon thee to behold the lamb slain before the foundation of the world for our forgiveness that we the guilty might go free. How can we get enough of the gaze upon our Lord Jesus Christ and our God? You see, who else is going to be there? So first thing, God's going to be there. And that's what makes it heaven. God's going to be there with us. But is there anything else? What about others? Well, to put it very simply, all those who put their trust in Jesus to save them from their sins Those that have done that they know that God is bringing a better world and that better world belongs to those that have put their trust and their faith in Jesus Christ in him alone and in nothing else. That's who's going to be there. That would include obviously loved ones in Christ. That would include children Parents, grandparents, all the things that we've lost here. Those things will be restored, but only in Christ. Only to those who, as the scripture says, love his appearing. 
You notice sometimes when I do the benediction, I say, may the grace of God be with you all who love his appearing. That's a scriptural phrase. And it's saying, in other words, the grace, the, the, this world is not for everyone. Because we are broken and cursed, we have to be fixed and made new. We have to be forgiven. And that can come about only in Christ. And there is no other way. There is no other stairway. There is one way, the way, the truth, and the life, our Lord Jesus Christ. And for all who are in him, there is the assurance that we will see all others in Christ with us. It's not going to be a lonely place. It's going to be a place full of loved ones in life to those who are in Christ. The dwelling of God will be with men and women as I said, only those who love his appearing. Because that appearing of God, when he comes the second time, will be terrifying to those who do not know him and do not love his appearing. But it will be electrifying to those who do. It will be beyond our wildest dreams. Judgment day for the Christian is gone. It's behind us. It cannot reach us ever again. Vindication day is here when he comes with his saints to join us in the new heavens and earth that our Lord Jesus has created. My friends, that is the best Christmas ever. With no exaggeration. I couldn't, there's no way to even comprehend it, but that is the best Christmas ever. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Father, let the spirit and bride's voice. Lord, we look forward to that day when you come, when you come again to stay. And Lord, what what glory will it be? We can't even begin to wrap our minds around it. But just thank you that you promised it will come and it will be more beautiful than anything that we have ever known or imagined. But Father, if there are those who are not in Christ, who do not know Jesus and don't put their faith and trust in him and him alone, Oh, Lord, let this be the day of salvation for them so that they might come to know this homegoing, this beautiful world to come wherein dwells righteousness, all because of what you did for us in Jesus. And Father, Lord, fill us with joy and this Advent season and longing, blessing you for the first coming and thanking you today, Father, also that you're coming again. Lord Jesus, come quickly. Maranatha. Amen.